everyone, this is Gruesome Herzog, my very special guest for an interview part two. It's with actor Bill Oberts Jr. How you doing, Bill? Scott, it's a pleasure to be with you. I'm a fan of your uh, podcast, as you know. Thanks for asking me back. No problem. Um, The reason why I have you back is since we did our last interview, you've done a ton of some good stuff, and I figured to get the listeners an, uh, an update on what Bill is doing. So this is an opportunity to get this thing started. Um, I don't quite remember what we what we um, left off with, but I do want to start um, in 2010. Um, we've done a lot of things. And the first thing I want to talk to you about, if you don't mind, it's a movie called Beginners in 2010. Yeah. Um, can you give listeners an idea exactly what that's going to be about? Uh, Beginners is with Christopher Plummer and uh, Ewan McGregor, and it's not a horror piece. Right. Um, I've, I've got a small role in it. Um it's a very small, uh, sort of an independent feel uh, type of film, and uh, it's already out, in fact, and uh, getting some uh, preview reviews. Uh, Christopher Plummer's a great guy. You know, fans of the sci-fi genre know that he was in uh, Star Trek, The Undiscovered Country, yep. which is one of my favorite of the Star Trek series. I was on set with Christopher Plummer, and I got the opportunity to... You know, everybody's going up and talking to him and sound and music and this, that, and the other. And I said, I'm really sorry to bother you, Mr. Plummer, but I'm a huge Star Trek fan. And he said, oh, I love playing that Klingon, and no one ever mentions it. Thank <laughs> you so much. That's was, awesome. That's a cool thing about, you know, doing these little roles in movies with these big stars, is you get to go up to him and say, hey, man, I really appreciate what you did. And you know what, Scott? They always... The ones who are pros, who have been in it for years, like Plummer, yep. they treat they treat everybody like gold, no matter who you are. They say thank you so much. That's right. a sign, of pro. Right? Yeah. It's, um, I interviewed um, Nathan Dashwood, and uh, the, the person we're going to talk about just recently passed away, but he did a movie called um, Stan Helsing. It's a comedy, and he did it with um, oh Leslie Nielsen. God rest his soul. Great actor. And he was telling stories that uh, Nathan, when Nathan, when he, when he first met Leslie, um, he was so so surprised about how he treated him. You know, he treated him like the, like the like his best friend. And you know, it, it, people don't understand that a lot of these veteran actors who've done it all are, you know, they're so happy to have fans, and they treat him the same way as they did. You know, what I mean, they're they're so thankful because if it wouldn't be for the fans, they wouldn't have a career. Now, I mean, some actors don't see it that way, but a lot of them do. You know? No, absolutely. I mean, in, you know, I live in Hollywood, and uh, Gelson's is a grocery store like a block from my apartment, and Tim Curry shops in there all the time. And the first time I saw him, I was like, well, Tim Curry, you know, he's done a lot of horror genre stuff. He was Rocky Horror. And yeah. I went up and spoke to him, just the nicest guy in the world, and, and he talked for like 10 minutes. And I said, who's the favorite director you ever worked for? And he said, no, no, no. He said, I don't work for directors. I work for audiences. <laughs> that's funny. That sounds like them. There it is. You know, yeah. there it is. So that's what I'm striving to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I just want to do the kind of movies that people can watch and say, that is something really different. <laughs> you know, that's right. what I want. That's a reaction I want is for people to go, wow, that's not the usual run-of-the-mill stuff. Now, did you ever have a chat with Evan, I mean, you and McGregor at all? Yeah, we said hello. Um, I didn't have that much to say. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen what he does, but I'm more, when I'm on set, I'm more interested in the guys who have been working for years and years and years and years, because that's who I want to learn from and yes. talk to, the old vet actors. That's very true. Well, the next one, um, I, I talked to um, Tara Cardinal about this one. Um, he gave, the movie's mm-hmm. called Rip Love Memories. Tara. 
Yeah, she's a great girl. I love her too. Yeah. Rip Memories in 2010. Um, it stars the uh, icon, Debbie Rashawn. Love her. Um, mm-hmm. Hold on a minute. <laughs> My grandson's pounding the door. <laughs> a little year and a half old. Anyways, um, sorry about that. Um, do you also want to give the listeners an idea about Rip Memories? Um, I know, I got, like I said, I got Tara's take on it. Um, did you ever have, did you, did you uh, have a nice chat with Debbie Rashawn? I played her husband, so yes, we okay. were we were together for uh, the time. In fact, I had a uh, I had to assault her uh, in bed as her husband. So we oh. got pretty close. We we were nose to nose, and Debbie is a consummate professional, um, a beautiful, beautiful woman, and she is an extremely talented actress. I hope to work with her again. Yeah, I liked her too. There's a bunch of movies that she was in. They're like them, they're like them comedy horror things. I think you might have heard of them. There's three of them now. I think it's called, uh, um, oh boy. I'm drawing blank now. Come on, Scott. It's the, their bikini, okay, bikini bloodbath. Um, she played mm-hmm. a Miss, Miss Johnson, the <laughs> lesbian school teacher, a gym teacher. It's, that's, yes. Her, her, like, a, like her style of acting, she has such a great big range. It's amazing. I, trying to get an interview. She does, her. and in Rip Mim- in Rip Memories, she's a very straight, dramatic part, and she's a great dramatic actress, as well as doing the you know the the, the comedy horror that you mentioned. Yep, and uh, Tara Cardinal, uh, like we said, she's a beautiful and she's amazing. She she was fun to talk to. She has a lot of stories too, and uh, tell you what, there's, there's a lot of lot of um, independent horror actors that are so talented that. I say it before and I'll say it again. I think there's more talent in independent movies than there is in high range, high high end movies. Only because, you know, the, you you and Alina Madison and Tara and Debbie, you know, you guys, when you perform, you perform because you want to perform. You know, I mean, it ain't like you guys make the big bucks like the big big stars do. And I uh, applaud every actor who even attempts to make a movie. Um, low budget wise, you know, it takes courage and uh, headstrong strength to be able to pull it off. You know what I mean? Thank you, Scott, and thank you for your support of the independent film community. I mean that sincerely. It it really means a lot because it's long hours and uh, hard work, and everybody pours their heart and soul into it. And then to have somebody like you that helps us, uh, you know, promote the films and promote the industry, it means a lot. Thank you. No problem. I'm, it's. I mean, I mean what I say. The next movie that. Um, Joseph Guzman, who I think is a, a talented, unique, um, pushes the, the limit, um, but when I say push the limit, I mean he just does his the movies his way, and trust me, um, I love his work. Um, but the one I'm going to talk about, it's going to be released later on, probably in the summer, um, New Nuns of Big Guns. Now, I've talked mm-hmm. to Yvette, I've talked to... Um, you know, eventually I'm going to be talking to Devani Penn on Tuesday. She plays Go-Go. And uh, you played Brother John. Um, I did play Brother John, yeah. And You know, uh, Joe, Joe Guzman creates these... He did Run, Bitch, Run before this, and now New Nuns with Big Guns. He creates these uh, worlds. I, re- I To me, they're like comic books. They're like a big graphic novel. Yeah. There's nothing in them that relates to reality. Right. He creates these extreme worlds... And people have 
two reactions to Guzman films. They either say, wow, I love it, or it's reprehensible, it's awful, and it should be banned. There's these two extreme reactions and nothing <laughs> in between. When the truth is, it's just a movie. Yep. It's an escape. Yep. And what Guzman is doing is he's playing with you by creating a world which has its own reality. It doesn't have anything to do with our world. Yep. Um, and I really admire him for that. Yep. His movies, you have to take on his terms. Yep. Yeah, and I tell you what, um, one of the bad guys in the movie, which I talked to him on Facebook, I think once or twice, David Castro. Sure, Shab- he's Shabba. a good buddy of mine. Dave, David is the male lead in that movie, and he's a hell of an actor. Yes, he is, and I really liked his performance in this movie, only because, you know, he just, he comes off as the, um, the, um, the evil, you know, and Zango Henry, <laughs> kickstand. Yeah, Zango's, Zango's <laughs> great. That boy's a trip. But yeah, I'm kind of anxious to see I was this. T- you know, it's funny, I-, I was talking to David Castro on the set of Nude Nuns, and I remember this conversation. It's been like, you know, two years ago when we filmed this. And I said, you know what, David, because both of him, both he and I have this sort of um, uh, hard edge as an actor. So, you know, there's a lot of mainstream sort of roles that we, we're we not thought of for immediately because they're like, oh, you know, that dude's too scary or, or whatever. And I said, you know, David, I want to work with people that want to work with me. And right. he said, me too. I want to be in movies that can use the kind of actor that I am. Right. And... That's why I do the grindhouse, and that's why I do the gore, and that's why I do the horror. Although I do straight dramatic stuff too. Right. But I want to work with people who want to work with me, and that's the great thing about the independent film industry. And I enjoyed working with Guzman. He's a great creative, inventive director. Yep. And um, yeah, Nude Nuns will be out on DVD sometime this year. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. Tony Amber Young as Tempress. <laughs> and I, mm. this, this movie has a great cast. I'm telling you, it's a great cast. You know, uh, Yvette Corvea, Mistress Charlotte. You know, she had, she had a, a small yes. role, but to see her, even for a split second, she she's, my opinion, a talented actress that I think eventually is going to be big. I mean, I can sincerely say that. I mean, everybody in this movie have talent, and I'm looking forward to seeing some more things in the future from them, and that's no joke. You know what I mean? Yvette has great screen presence, and that's that's what it's about. It's about the camera seeing something in you that it likes, and an actor who's willing to accept what the camera likes and to do it. And um, all the people that we've talked about, they do that. Yvette's certainly among them. I probably sound like a broken record, but (laughs) anyways. (laughs) The next movie, it's going to be released, apparently I think it already is released, is Red Dirt Dirt Rising. Um, It's a drama, and the reason why I'm going to talk about this one, your buddy's in this one which is also going to be in the one that we're going to talk about at the end, Burgess Jenkins. I know you have some That's history right. with him from other things mm-hmm. you've done. Um, if you want to, you can talk to Liz, tell us there's also basically what this one's about, if you want. Sure. I've got three family films coming out in 2011, which is odd for a guy who's getting known as a horror genre actor. Um, I've got Red Deer Rising, which I'll tell you about in just a sec. I've got The Shunning coming out on the Hallmark Channel. Mm-hmm. And then I've got um, the very first family film from the asylum and it's who does you know all of the great uh, horror and sci-fi movies and that's yep. called the princess and the pony yep and all three of these are family oriented films and they're all three coming out this year red dirt rising which has just been released on dvd is the story of how nascar racing began it was filmed in north carolina yep. and it's set right after world war ii 
when these guys have come back from the war and they're itching to do something with all of this pinup energy that they have and they began running these red dirt tracks and doing these little races and eventually that turned into NASCAR and I play this uh, son of a bitch of a uh, race car driver named Buck who eventually gets his in the end as all my characters do <laughs> and Burgess played the good guy as Burgess always does <laughs> Burgess and I worked together in the shunning for the Hallmark Channel yep. and we also did a movie together about the life story of John Wesley, who founded the Methodist Church. It's called Wesley. Mm-hmm. And Burgess gave a beautiful performance as John Wesley. That movie has not been released yet, but I played a minister who was a friend of Wesley's. And that that's near and dear to my heart, too. Burgess is a great actor. Yep. Yep. I agree. Yeah, um, come and think of it, I want to ask you something before I forget. On our last interview, um, The Desert Sun, has that been released at all yet? Desert Sun has been released. Um, I don't believe that it's out on DVD, but it's made the festival circuit and gotten extremely, extremely good reviews. My part in that is very, very small. I'm the stepdad at the very beginning who throws the kid out into the desert and leaves him. And the rest of the movie is about the kid and what what happens to him in this strand of misfits out in the desert. Um, I, I think it has the potential to be a cult film for young people, and sort of a catcher in the rye for our day. Yeah, I want to see that. I keep seeing the uh, trailer and reading about it and just waiting. Well, the next one, you mentioned it already. Um, I know this is a horror podcast, um, and uh, I like to do things my way. But since I have you on here, I'm going to run everything. Like I said, I'm going to run everything that you've done since since Dismal and The Devil Within. Um, the next one, you mentioned it, Princess and the Pony. Um, I know there's a lot of family people, listeners that like you know, non-horror, listen to my podcast as well. But if you want to, go ahead and talk about it. Princess and the Pony. And yeah, it's it from the Asylum. It's the yeah. first time they've done a family film. And uh, it's a story of a, uh, well, my co-stars were an eight-year-old girl and a pony. Uh, <laughs> I'm a carnival <laughs> owner. It's kind of a Disney-esque thing. I'm an evil carnival owner, and I'm trying to find this princess to kidnap her. And there's this uh, pony who has these incredible magical jumping powers. And so it kind of goes from there. Um, I'm a bad guy. But I'm a, you know, kind of a comic book bad guy. Um, And I get mine in the end, of course, and everything turns out well. Um, It was a lot of fun to film. I, I, you know, I have these, I guess, I have these two sides of me. I do these horror movies and these things like this, but in real life, I'm so opposite that. And it's fun sometimes to do these family films, which are more who I am as a a human being. So I I really enjoy doing The Princess and the Pony. I mean, how many times do you get to act with a pony, Scott? Yeah, right. (laughs) You know, I could call people and say, hey, my co-star is a pony. (laughs) (laughs) And and the fact that it's from the asylum, wow. Or or you could say, well, let's see, I did some work with Jack Harrison. Now I'm I'm with a pony. Exactly. (laughs) And Jack is the better actor. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, there is an actor that was in, you, in with you in this movie that I've been following lately is Jonathan Nation. Jonathan really? Nation. Yeah, sure. I know. Of course, John, Jonathan's played the sheriff in the movie. He yeah. played my enemy who was trying to figure out what I was doing, the bumbling sheriff. Yep. Hmm, Jonathan's a good actor. Yeah. And he's worked for the asylum before. Yes, he has. That's how I know his name. Um, hmm. It's funny. When I watch a movie, I usually run down, go on the IMDb, and I run down the cast and see who's all in it and see if I can recognize some. I mean, I usually do it. I look at it before I watch the film and see if I can pick him out in the movie. And he caught my eye in the movie. I can't remember what it was he was in, but I think he's going to be a good one, too, in the future. Um, the next one is a short film. I said, what the heck? Um, 
you might uh, want to talk about this. It's called Appleton, 2010. It's a short action mystery. Yes, it's funny that you mention Appleton. That's a pretty cool film. We filmed it in Appleton, Wisconsin in January. And I'm going to tell you something. I know you live up there in cold weather country. But Wisconsin in January, that's cold. I know. And it's about buried uh, money that's been buried down in the ice and this plot to try to find it. And I play a, a small-time criminal who's got a buddy, and we're trying to find the money. And we keep meeting at this diner in Appleton. But they got these incredible shots of, like, just snow and ice as far as you could see. And uh, some of the actors had to work out in sub-freezing weather, like 18-degree weather, falling in the snow on their faces. The shots look incredible. It was pretty cold. Wow. Yeah, I, on the festival circuit now too. It's well, funny you mentioned that. I really enjoyed making Appleton. Well, how I know about the Wisconsin weather is because, as, as you know, in NFL, the Green Bay Packers, you always talk about the one, one of the coldest games ever played. So, mm. and you got to remember too, that's also near Canada. So imagine that. Oh yeah. No, well, if you don't mind, the next one. Um, there's an actress that you that's in with you that I, I love, I adore, and I can't wait to have a chance to chat with her. It's called Second Class Citizen in 2010. It's a drama, but you star with Michelle Tomlinson. Yeah, Michelle Tomlinson. We had a great scene together. Um, she's a wonderful actress. Uh, my character is called Maniac. <laughs> I got a call from this guy who was making the movie, and uh, he said, we're looking for someone to play a maniac, and I've seen your things online, and uh, we'd like to talk to you. That's the kind of calls that I get. You know? Well, it's work. You know I, what I mean? <laughs> I walk into a... Scott, I walk into a casting office and people say, "Oh, you know, you you must be here for the rapist. You must be here for the killer." Um, <laughs> Jeez. Thanks a lot, man. You know, I really appreciate that. This is my face. Uh, but yeah, it, it was fun. And as usual, I had to attack the poor girl in an alley and you know do all of the creepy things that I usually do. But she, yeah, she's a great actress. Yeah. Yeah. It's, now that's going to be really sometime this year. Do you think? I don't know. I don't. I, you you never know. You do these yeah, things, that's and true, uh, yeah. some sometime it's a couple of years before they come out. Dismal was done back in '07, I believe, and was only just released on DVD, but had this incredible run on Showtime, which I could never have expected because I kept wait, waiting for the Dismal DVD to come out, and then it pops up on Showtime, and it's run hundreds of times on Showtime, and, and gotten really really good reviews. So I, I think for the future for independent movies, the VOD, video on demand. Yep. It's going to be a really, really big component, even before the DVD release, to get it on video on demand, because if you don't, somebody's going to rip the movie, and it's going to be online anyway. Right. And I've talked to a lot of producers who say that for their next film, they're going to get VOD, video on demand, online first, before they do anything. Right. And then worry about, then worry about the DVD release. But, um, uh, yeah, you, you do them, and you never know what's going to happen with them. Well, you brought it up. I'm going to talk about it with you at the end of the interview about piracy. I know uh been reading a lot of things and hearing a lot of things that's been hurting the movie industry, but we'll we'll get into that a little bit later on if you don't mind. But um yeah, like I said, there's a that's another one I want to see. There's another one here um I find very interested. Um Jetlagged 2010. Um mm-hmm. if you want to, you can go ahead and and discuss it with the uh, listeners and tell them exactly what it's about and hopefully when it gets released that people will go out there and watch it but there's an interesting cast member in this movie I can tell you that um, Linda Wong now you're going to ask me how do I know her 
I was man. just going to ask. <laughs> I don't ask. Ball. I'm not asking. You said not to ask. <laughs> but there's a, there's a lot of actresses and actors that I just recognize from other films or mm-hmm. reading about them, and certain actors and actresses catch my interest, and uh, she's one of them. But go ahead. <laughs> uh, that's a, it's uh, yet another uh, uh, sexual assault. Attempted. Attempted. Not successful, but attempted. I think I attacked a girl in an alley there. Failed. And you know, the funny thing is, Scott, I'm in bed by 9.30. Like, I never would go out in an alley. <laughs> and, I, and I get mail. When you do these movies, you get mail from people who contact you on Twitter and Facebook, and they'll say, Ah, oh, dude, you know, are you scary? Do you look around alleys at night? And I'm like, dude, I'm in bed at 9. Oh, what? Well. <laughs> you know, if I'm not working. Why <laughs> would anybody say that? <laughs> Seriously. But it's so funny. Oh, God. I think that the people who really are creepy and really hang around, <laughs> if they had to do it on film, they'd probably freeze up because they wouldn't know how. <laughs> it's only we people who are really benign inside who can do this stuff because it's funny to us, you know. Yeah. We can just, but it's a lark. So, so basically, um, you do eat people, right? <laughs> yes, I do. I, what if I, I don't even want to begin the list because my mother might hear this. I, I eat people. I've chopped people up. I've hung people from hooks. I've done all of these terrible things. <laughs> I don't know. Now, this next movie, i got to ask you. I need to know what your mom's opinion was on this one. Okay? And I know your mom, you mentioned in the last interview that your mom called you and you say, Mom, I'm going to kill somebody again. Oh, she's so sweet. But she was so happy when I did this movie for the Hallmark <laughs> Channel. Your biggest fan now, right? No. The next movie, um, I guess the way it sounds, it's a vampire movie. It's called The Priest mm. in 2011. Oh, yeah, huge movie. That'll be huge. That's Paul Bettany. Yep. I worked with Paul Bettany um, once before in Secret Life of Bees. And with uh, Dakota Fanning and Jennifer Hudson. Terrific, terrific movie, and um, it's going to be really huge. I mean, Paul's great, and Christopher Plummer is also in that, mm-hmm. and it's based on a very famous graphic novel. So, uh, Priest, Priest will be a big movie. I can't wait to see that. That looks very interesting. In fact, I'm going to check it out the trailer. Yeah, that's a, a, an awesome, another awesome cast. You know, like you said, you mentioned Christopher Plummer, um, mm-hmm. Paul Bettany, um, Carl Urban. You know, mm-hmm. tell you what, it, it's 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 something that we always talk about it before. But all it took was the movie Dismal that not many people knew about it, but now they do. And for you to patrol that character, like like even you said, that's basically your first full-length movie, correct? It wasn't my first full-length movie. It was my first horror movie. Russell, uh, uh, pri- uh, prior to that, I had done Sherman's March for the History Channel. Yeah, I'm sorry. And played General Sherman, who was a bastard. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Sherman was a bastard, but he didn't eat people. Right. That's what I meant to say. I apologize for that. That we know of. Yeah, that we know. Of. <laughs> uh, well, you. I'm getting ready to do a western. I'm flying out to Texas in February. I'm doing a western. It's for a director called Chris Eska, okay. who is an award-winning filmmaker. It's called September Morning, and it's a set in the Civil War. And I'm a bounty hunter, and I'm chasing down this kid and a wanted man, and I'm vengeful and ruthless. It's a movie John Wayne would have been really good in, so I'm really excited about doing it because I love westerns. I love history. All right, there, Bill. Bill Obers, Jr. fans out there, you heard he said, "Can you wait to see Bill with a cowboy hat?" Love it. So do I. Quite interested in that one. Picturing you in a cowboy hat and a horse. And a gun. Don't forget the gun. Oh yes. 
Yeah. God, that, that's going to be an interesting role for you. That might. Yeah, I love that westerns. Might. I've always thought that if, if westerns were a genre that was current, if people were making westerns today like they did in the fifties, yep, I'd be working all the time because of my face. And oh. I, people tell me that all the time. They say, "Oh, dude, you'd be great in westerns." You know. So, but I do horror movies instead of westerns. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you want, we can talk about a comedy. Um, Grooming Gazelle in 2011, directed by Kate Cohen. Who is a terrific, terrific woman, great director, very funny. It's a story of um, uh, a, a, a guy who wants to impress a girl, and the only way that he can get to her is by pretending to be a girl himself. And so it's one of those kind of comedies, and I play this small-time crook named Lenny. And it was a lot of fun to do. She wanted a sort of a unique voice for Lenny, so I was inspired by Danny DeVito. Oh, yeah. And I did sort of a little, like, you know, a little rat munching on cheese kind of a voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, boss. You see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like that. Damn, that's it good. was really fun. I had to walk <laughs> along the street and um, lick an ice cream cone repeatedly, and, of course, ice cream would melt in Los Angeles. Yeah. So I had ma- mashed potatoes on this waffle cone with sprinkles on top of the mashed potatoes, so I had to lick the mashed potato cone repeatedly oh wow uh, walking down the street people don't realize when you watch movies <laughs> you, you, you never think of these tiny details like what is that it can't be ice cream because ice cream would melt and it's got to look the same in every take right mashed potatoes who could know you know what you, you're going to start a big fad now everybody's going to get mashed potatoes it. now and they're going they're eat mashed potatoes on ice cream cone now let me tell you this. Speaking of that, on on this asylum movie I did, Princess and the Pony, I worked with an actress, and we were sharing stories. She'd been in, she's been in Hollywood forever. She said she's from Texas. She said, "Let me tell you something. I did a pilot for Aaron Spelling where I gave birth on the tarmac at an airport and had a newborn baby dipped in cottage cheese and strawberries to make it look like it had just come out of me." <laughs> oh wow a step further. She said, now you can't work a newborn baby more than five minutes, so they got a whole room full of newborn babies. These poor little naked babies waiting to be dipped in cottage cheese and strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, this is so priceless. I love this business so much. Oh, and man. I said, well, what do you think What do you think about those babies? She said, I think they're in therapy today. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> it's a great Oh, God. That is funny. I can't, I can't tell you the number of times that after a, a horror film, they always send makeup home because they don't want to pay for makeup to be there past a certain hour. We work till 3 and 4 in the morning. Right. And everybody's covered in blood and guts, and we've got these prosthetics on and, and all of these appliances. And makeup's gone, and there's nothing left there but baby wipes. Well, you can't get that fake blood off with baby wipes. So all of us do the same thing. We all go home, we get in the shower, and you look down at 4 in the morning... And you see blood dripping off of you, pooling down yeah, right. into the drain like psycho. Yeah. And at those moments, I always think, what a heck of a business this is. In what other business can you do this? Right. And this is my job. It's a fun <laughs> it's, job. It's wild. A lot of work, but fun, I'm sure. It is fun. It the, is. N- the next one, um, I've actually inter- uh, interviewed quite a few cast members in this movie, and uh, it's called Vivid in 2011. Um, Rachel Grubb, who I grew to love recently. Um, actually, I got a movie sent to me um, yesterday. It's called Camp Kill. Rachel Grubb was in it. It's mm. one of them uh, first-timers. Um, 
Yeah. But like I said, I'll be doing Rachel Grubb next, this week and Devani Pin this week. I've talked to Brandon Slagle, nice guy, horse yourself. Um, Tara Cardinal plays a ghost in this movie. Um, so mm-hmm. go ahead if you want to. You can give a, a little um, info about it because I know everybody's been waiting to see it. Brandon Slagle is a known commodity in the um, independent horror world. He's worked for the Asylum a lot. And this is Brandon's directorial debut. Um, and it's a film called Vivid, and it's about a killer who places his consciousness in the minds of other people so that he can experience their deaths. And it was just a great, it's a great concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and Devaney, Devaney is in it. Rachel Grubb is in it. Um, and Tara is in it. It's really funny. It's like a little family, all these people that know each other. But yeah. Devani called me, and she said, we would love for you to do a, a role in Vivid. And what what can we do? What time do you have available? And the time that she wanted to shoot it, I only had one day in her production schedule that I wasn't shooting because I was doing four other projects at the same time. I said, I got a day. She said, let's write something. So then she sends me back the script, and I get it. And it's this really creepy... Uh, um, hallucination of a drug dealer called the Mysterious One who appears to Devaney Penn's character in this um, subterranean corridor and offers her this really strange new psychotropic drug and I think that he's a figment of her imagination but anyway so she said this is you know we want we, this is something that's really cool and will stand out and we can film it in the one day you have available what do you think he should look like and so I was inspired by this movie called Harry Brown that Michael Caine was in. Right. Have you heard about it? Mm-hmm. So there's a drug dealer in there, and he's got all of these these scars all over his body. He's like the ultimate uh, meth head type of look with homemade tattoos and scars. And I said, that's what I want to do. And she said, great. And so that's, so, so that's what we did. That's excellent. You know, I kind of I kind of miss another beautiful actress who I think is going to be big is Deneen Melody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've been, uh, actually I posted this trailer. I have a blog site that I post trailers on, which has gotten really big. I started like two and a half weeks ago, and this is getting a lot of attention as well. Yeah, it's funny, real quick, you can always get an idea of what people's interests are, because uh, I run, like I said, I have a blogger site for trailers, and every week, it, it gives a top ten view every week, and it's so funny. It's actually cool. You actually get an idea of what people are interested in. Um, you know what I mean? It's weird. You know, for instance, Dismal and Savage, which Savage is not released yet, but that is so. I guess because it's not released, people are curious about it. Those two are constantly right. fluctuating in the top ten list. It's it's funny. Yeah, it's it's great actually. It's pretty cool. As a matter of fact, um, uh, movie reviews that I've done, I reviewed Dismal, of course. And I reviewed Savage because I was at Horrifying, and they gave me a copy to watch, to view. And you know what, Bill? I kid you not. Savage is number two reviewed movie that I've done. It's crazy. It's funny. That's cool. Yeah, it is. You know, Vivid is Vivid hasn't been released yet, right? But it's gotten some great publicity um, because of Brandon and because of Devaney. I even got a little nice uh, PR pop off of it because what Brandon had me do was crawl down these stairs, yes. kind of like a spider with these extreme motions, and then he wanted me to uh, fall to the floor and rise up like a house of cards rebuilding itself. Yep. And so he kind of showed me how he wanted it done, 
and um, I put a couple of those pictures from the which he was nice enough to give me. I put them online, and man, they've gone all over, all over these horror sites. Yep. So before movies is even out, you can get really good buzz going about it. That's what's great about the independent film community. It's, yep. um, people are looking for this stuff. They're looking for it because mainstream movies do not satisfy the demand for really creative cinema. Yep. But the only thing about that there is, I'm going to be blunt about this. People know who I am now. But what, what frustrates me is you got people that will go out there and get that picture only, only to be ignorant. You know, they have agendas. If you know what I mean, I, I don't mean that harshly, but a lot of I've noticed I've been doing a lot of reading on other websites and blog sites and podcast sites. You know, I'm not going to pat myself on the back, you know, but my style of interviewing, my style of movie reviews, is an honest review. You know, I take in consideration how much it takes to make a movie. I, you know, I take in, con- in consideration. You know, if it's the if the director's first movie, you know, and I, you know, I don't give movies zeros. I don't give them ones. I don't give them twos. I don't give them threes. The lowest I go is four, and I, I've been accused of being partial because of my, you know, my my, you know, my involvement with uh, Fear Makers with Dismal and Savage or anybody who I interview that I have a friendship with. They accuse me of being partial because I'm friends with them. You know, people can say what they want to say, but deep down inside, I'm an honest, uh, loyal person where I take it in consideration of every process of a movie. You know what I mean, Bill? Mm. Kind of lost you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I kind of lost you there. But I'm you know, here. But you know what I mean by that. It just it frustrates me how people have agendas, and uh, I don't know where that would get them, but <laughs> I guess... Well, you got to have me. a thick skin. You have to have a... You have to have a thick yes. skin to be in this business. I can tell you that as an actor. Yep. If you Google Bill Oberst Jr. creep, you will get 382,000 Google results. Yep. Um, so anybody, if you put yourself out there, you're going to have people who are critical, mm-hmm. uh, and you just have to have a you have to have a thick skin about it. I mean, I've I'm all over the web with this really creepy torso because I got a kind of a, a I was born with sort of this deformed rib cage that goes inward it's it's very odd looking and like i have this extreme bone structure and stuff so i do a lot of these roles where that's shown and it's you know, i have these horrible horrible comments that people write you know like uh, you know oh dude you know creepiest dude ever dude should be arrested not complimentary stuff saying good actor but saying you know really ugly but it's it's a part yeah it's yeah. it's a part of putting it's a part of putting yourself out there people are allowed to say what they want to sure. say and in my case, since since my brand is creepy, if I were a box of Tide, I would be creepy Tide. It's good, <laughs> yeah. so it, it only reinforce it reinforces my brand. Right. But I will say that sometime when you read some of the things that people just anonymously will write mm-hmm. about a movie or about an actor, you think, man, you know, cut a little bit of slack because people are working hard here, and you have to take into account the budget and. Yeah, so you're right. You're right. Didn't mean to repeat what you just said, no, but no. I totally agree. I mean, I mean, in my opinion, a lot of them are probably failures. They probably failed in trying to act, or they failed in making a movie. That's just a lot of that's jealousy, and or else they want to be. A lot of people will use that to get themselves known, but you know, deep down inside, it, it can actually hurt you as well. Actually, as a matter of fact, I got an email the other day, and uh, I said I said this in, in quite a few interviews, and I might sound like a broken record too, but. 
Somebody sent me an email saying that I am Rush Limbaugh of the horror genre family. I take that as a compliment. I really would. I do. I do. What they Rush mean? Is very, Rush is very successful. He's created a persona and is very successful, and um, I would take that as a compliment. Well, oh, yeah, I do. Basically, what they mean is, um, like we like we discussed off the air before the interview, is I'm not afraid to say how I feel or what I believe in, and I don't. You know, I'm not trying to be a prick or a jerk or an asshole, but I, what I believe in is what I believe in, and people have their own opinions. That's fine and dandy, but I've been, you know, I've been put down and insulted, which I could care less because I'm not getting paid to do this. This is fun to me. You know, what I mean, I just enjoy doing what I do, and you know, hey, like, like you said, everybody gets ignorant reviews and. It doesn't matter to me, but it's funny. I kind of laughed when I read it. Said, you know, that's cool. That means I must be doing something right. You know what I mean? That's the business, man. <laughs> All right. Anyways, that's ah, that's it. that that's the business, and you're talking to a guy who uh, gets. I oh, I have an email alert which looks searches Google for things about my name, and I get things like um, "ugliest dude ever," uh, "worst face I've ever seen." So I know exactly what you're saying, you know, it's part of the business. <laughs> you know what? I'm not an attractive guy, I know that, you know. And I do these horror films, but I gotta live with myself too. So you gotta find a happy medium of liking yourself and doing what you do. Well that's right. Exactly right. Well, let's uh get off the conversation a little bit here. And there's one that touches home with me that I'm gonna talk to you about. You mentioned it earlier only because I do live in Paradise, Pennsylvania, which is Lancaster County, which it is Amish country. I've been born, mm. um, raised. I had best friends as a kid. They were Amish, the same age as we are. And every summer we used to go over to barn and raise hell, if you can call it that, back in the day. But this movie is called The Shunning. Um, it's going to be yeah. coming out in April. And um, if you want to, um, you can give listeners a rough idea about it and when it's going to get re- released exactly. So go ahead, Bill. This is a movie. This is a movie called The Shunning. It will be have a world premiere on the Hallmark Channel, April 16, um, and it was produced by the Hallmark Channel and directed by Michael Landon's son, Michael Landon Jr. It's based on a novel about Amish life by an author named Beverly Lewis. It's a three-part novel, and we did the first part of it. It's about a young Amish girl played by Danielle Panabaker, who was also in Friday the 13th and the Crazies. Mm-hmm. And she plays my daughter, and I'm an Amish father. And she realizes that she's adopted, and she has to decide what to do. Sherry Stringfield is in it, who is also an Emmy winner from ER. Yep. Well known. Um, so it, it was a very prestige project. I grew up with Hallmark Hall of Fame productions, so this was very, very cool to be involved in a Hallmark project, a straight dramatic role. Um, I'm a Christian, and it was really important to me to do something sometime last year that had something to do with my faith and that lifted up God, yep. and this was that project, and so I loved doing it. But i got to tell you that before they hired me, Michael Landon Jr. called me. I get this. Call. I had done the audition, and I figured, well, they're not going to hire me, you know, because of my horror movies, because it's Hallmark. Right. And so Michael Landon Jr. calls me, and he says, "Hi, this is Michael Landon Jr." I said, "Oh, hi. You know, how are you? Hi." And he said, "I don't have any doubt that you're right for this role, but I want to talk to you about some of the films that you've done." I thought, "Ah, oh, here it comes." But he was a great, great guy, and he said, "I totally understand that." You're an actor, and you've got to work. And I want to give you a chance to do something different. And I'm going to pitch you to the Hallmark Channel. 
and he bitched me, and I did it. So I'm the guy who chops up teenagers and also was a sympathetic Amish father. Right. And I can't ask for more range than that. No, you can't. Nope. It was a great blessing, and I'm really hopeful that when the Hallmark Channel runs the shunning, that it will help me to uh, be able to move into more character roles in addition to the horror stuff, which I do love doing. But, you know, an actor likes diversity, too. I just watched a trailer of this before I did an interview with you today, and I find it, um, like I said before, I'm going to understand it more uh, more quicker, if that's a word, than people in California or other states that that that, that don't have Amish. Um, so I can really, you know, relate. And, and, and the role that you played in it, what I seen in the trailer, I thought was excellent. But the, even you, Bill, even you know about the Amish because you you're out this way years ago. As a matter of fact, you came up here like four or five minutes from my house and you did plays in churches. So you basically have an idea about the Amish, correct? That's right. I did a portrayal of Jesus called Jesus of Nazareth that toured churches for years, and I worked mm-hmm. in Mennonite churches up there. Yep. So I was familiar with it. And that's also uh, helped you. Yeah, what, what, they, what, what they wanted for this role was a hard-ass face with sympathetic eyes. Right. And and then that's what I do, so that's, that's why I got hired for it. My makeup was done. The beard was done every day. My makeup artist was Dean Jones, and he did the makeup for Odo in Star Trek Deep Space Nine he's very well known in horror circles and so he was a great connection to make I was so stoked to find out that the same guy who had done Odo was doing my makeup that's great that's great yeah I I, you know I think this is going to be big in my area of course Um, but I think it's going to be big you know you got to understand something too Michael Landon Jr.'s name's attached to this and that's also going to be that's also going to pique interest as well I mean, not to mention yes. Hallmark channels, but uh, kind of anxious to see this in April. So, we'll Michael Landon Jr. is a good director too. He's quiet. Yep. He's very deceptive because he's very quiet, but he pushes you as an actor. He pushed me to do things that I had not done on camera. I had to cry, and I, I have not been called upon to cry or show that kind of emotion before because most of my roles, you know, I'm the one who's persecuting people, making <laughs> yeah, them cry. Right. Right. It was really tough, man. It was really tough, and but he would not stop until he got it, and I respect him for that. And Burgess Jenkins, Doc Johnny Byler, John Byler plays. That's right. He, uh, Burgess Jenkins plays my son-in-law. It's excellent. He's so he great to work with him. Damn too. good actor. Yeah, there's actually a, a good cast in this movie. Period. Gary Moore, you know, um, Addie Miller. Um, like I said, I can't wait to see this. Now, if you want, um, is there anything else that you're going to be uh, coming up? Before we get into the piracy talk? Yeah, there's a horror movie which is called Something Wicked Dwells, which is being done by a director named Wade Riddle. He's also a poet, and this is a horror poem that he wrote, and um, it's uh, uh, it'll be a short, very short, like I think it's like a five-minute, but it's going to run on the festival circuit. It's very cool because it's set in a New England dungeon oh, wow. with these prisoners chained up, and these prisoners are waiting for this evil entity, which you never see, but you hear him screaming, and one by one, He's grabbing the chains of these prisoners and ripping them down into this well. Damn. And you never see the demon, but it's... And this poem that he wrote is recited by one of the prisoners. And I'm a big fan of Edgar Allan Poe. And, right. um, you know, this whole genre of horror poetry, which is not done much anymore. This is going to be filmed in black and white. So what Wade was trying to do was to uh, recreate that old, old horror film like Fall of the House of Usher and that kind of stuff in a very provocative and horrifying way. And it's a very short little film, but I'm happy to be involved in it. 
I'm going to play one of the prisoners, and that film's in February, too. All right, cool. Sorry, Scott. Don't start asking an actor about what they're doing because they'll talk forever. Oh, I don't I'll care. stop now. I don't care. <laughs> but <laughs> one thing I forgot to mention to you, this is so funny. This is a story about my son here. You know that, that, that TV show, A Thousand Ways to Die? Now, I I've know. I've died on it twice. You're right, and that's what I'm getting at. This is so funny. Um, see, I my don't. New death is, my new death is yet to air. I, I die by eating rabbit squirrel meat in one that's I'm waiting to air. We filmed it last November. Okay. See, I don't watch TV because I'm so occupied with mm-hmm. podcasts and interviews and reviews and stuff. So I never did watch TV. So I, I was unaware of that you're on a, on a couple episodes of this TV show. And uh, my son comes to me. He says, Dad. I said, Yeah. He goes, You know, Bill's on that show, right? I said, What? He knew exactly who you <laughs> It's funny. You know, it's, it's Tim. You talked to him, remember, on the last interview. You said that. You said, I do. Your dad's weird. Remember, he got real quiet. <laughs> he, didn't know, he didn't know what to say. But, uh, so, I was curious. So, I went on YouTube. And as you know, YouTube, there's a couple episodes that's on there. And I uh, started watching it. And uh, that's a quite interesting show, I must say. I'll tell you something, too. It runs all the time. I get texts from people who, I don't, is text is a word? I get texts from people that I don't even know. And they'll just say, dude, just saw you die on A Thousand Ways to Die. And it's frequent. It's frequent. So it happens all of the time. It's a very cool show. Yeah, I liked it. Sorry about that. I, I didn't want to get off track, though, but I want to mention that because I happened to see it. That's a cool show. Oh, no, I love it. It's it's it's. I, I love it. And when I, the one that's going to air, that's coming up, I ate rabid squirrel meat. And they, they asked me before I came, they said, are you okay with gutting a dead squirrel on set? And I was like, sure. I figured they meant like a prop squirrel. Well, Scott, they meant a real squirrel. It was still warm. Oh, my God. Where they got it, I don't know. But they only had one squirrel, so I had to get this right. So they had a guy there, and he told me how to cut it, and I had to rip the guts out and hold them up to my mouth like I was going to eat them. Then they cut, and they switched to chicken meat in my hands, which I actually ate, and then died later of rabies. Oh, geez. With foam coming out of my mouth, which is the foam was really produced by Alka-Seltzer. Gutting a dead squirrel in Hollywood, does life get any better? I think not. Well, the one episode that I've seen that really got my interest, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it's ironically, it's the first one I've seen is the one scene where this guy was fixing his car or something, was playing loud music, and the neighbor came out and said, Toma, turn the music down, you know, and then he gets all pissed off, and what happened was, is when he went zipping out of the car, he kept going down the driveway, and he got ran over by a street cleaner. I, said, oh, I didn't see that one. Man. That sounds very typical for them. And then the one I seen was, I never even realized it was this guy. He must be like a welfare case bum or whatever. And he um, broke his arm or something. So he decided to be a genius and make his own cast. So he had it on for a while. And then he took it off. And what happens is, is a blood clot went to his heart and he just croaked. I didn't really think of that, that if you don't get it done right, that can easily happen if it's too tight. It's, 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 amazing, it's amazing what you learn from watching that show. But, That's right. <laughs> anyways, <coughs> excuse me. Um, now, <coughs> excuse me again. If you want, I know um, Matt Dean, um, who I interviewed quite a few months ago, um, posted on Facebook about his movie about it being um, I guess being on air and uh, how piracy is starting to hurt uh, the industry yes. um, if you want 
if you're if you want to, you can give your opinion about that as well. Being an actor, um, you know, what is your opinion about the piracy? I mean, is is it actually getting worse? I I, I, I can speak intimately of it because two movies that I did uh, have been pirated, and it one of them has not even been released out on DVD yet. The other, it was pirated just before the DVD release, um, and yes, it hurts. And, um, I, you know, I mean, I don't want to sound like, um, I, I know that people think, oh, it's on the Internet. I can just click download. It's, you know, I didn't put it up there. The Internet is anonymous, so you don't feel like you're hurting anybody. Right. But you're hurting people. You're hurting people. Because, t- to m- and if I wasn't in the industry, I probably wouldn't be such a hard ass on this, Scott. Right. But to make a movie takes a tremendous amount of money and effort. There are investors, and they're not rich people either. Nope. You know, you go on in- Indiegogo or Kickstarter. And you raise your money, your seed money, and then you, it's so hard to get a budget together. And then you've got to hire the actors, and everybody's pouring their heart into it. And they're waiting for when this thing comes out on DVD. Yep. And not only that, but the version of the film that you get online is frequently a poor quality version. Yep. Sometimes parts of the movie are ending. The sound is wrong. So people are going to write a bad review for a movie that they might write a good review for. Right. They saw the whole thing. So... You know, again, I don't want to sound like a goody two-shoes, but I would just encourage fans of the genre, think about it before you rip. Yep. Just try to think that every time you do that, you're hurting the genre that you love, and you're lessening the chance that you're going to see new cool films. Yep. Because there's a lot of producers now who are not going to make movies because they can't make money. It's a business. Right. And if you're not willing to shell out the few bucks for the DVD or for the video on demand, the movies aren't going to be made and the genre will die. Right. So those are my feelings. Well, I, I can tell you one thing that really irritates me is you got these assholes that go into theaters and videotape it. So you, you see um, cam versions. I mean, I, trust me, Bill, you can see everything online. And I don't understand how anybody would actually sit there and watch a cam version of a movie that's in the theaters right now. I don't understand the point in that, really. You get bad quality. Oh, I guess because it's free, and you, well, can, you yeah. can sit and watch your un- you can sit and watch it in your underwear, and it's free. That's why people do it. Right, but that's not me. I, you know, I'm not no goody two shoes. Don't get me wrong. I don't do that crap. But what I mean is, I'm here to support the independent horror. Why would I go out and do that? That's just that's hurting the industry itself. You know, you spend all that like like, like the devil within. I mean, I've seen that thing. You know, like. Uh, What's it called? Warrants or whatever it is. People, I mean, it's been online for a while before. Because now Matt sent me a copy, so I have my own copy. But I've been seeing, you know, I just don't understand why people. I mean, I, I, I people are the the society is, I guess, people are cheap or poor or don't want to spend the money to watch it. It's in or watch it for free. But my opinion on that there is exactly what you said. It hurts the industry, and if it keeps especially. Up, Yep. Yes, especially if it's an independent film, because yep. you're 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 not. It's the difference between Walmart and the mom and pop store. And horror movies and independent movies and smaller films, you're hurting the mom and pop store. Yep, you're exactly right. I don't want to sound like a a, a a prick about it, but I agree with you. I mean, I'm not an actor. Yeah. Uh, well, in Me high too. school, but besides the point. But yeah, I would never stoop to that level ever because. <clears throat> I would sooner buy it and own a copy that I, you know, supported the film than to be uh, a dirtbag, basically, and uh, and do that. 
So Thank you for that. Idea. And I think a lot of the ripping is done by young people, and, and they need to hear what you just said, and mm-hmm. they need to hear adults mm-hmm. who are responsible, who are saying, don't do this, this is not a good thing to do. Yep. And so I think that's what we're both saying to kids. To a, if there's a 14-year-old who happens to be browsing by and listening to this, glad you love the industry, want you to keep on loving the industry, don't do this because... It really hurts. Yes, it does. So there it is. End of sermon. Excellent. Anything else, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I think I've talked out. I'm, I, don't get me started. <laughs> All right. You know, in most of my movies, I don't get to say much. John Wayne said, somebody asked him once, I think it was Michael Caine, who asked John Wayne for advice on how to be a movie star. And John Wayne said, talk low, talk slow, and don't say much. Yeah. <laughs> So on film, that's what I try to do. I don't have many lines. If I have a lot of lines, I want them cut down. But in real life, I go on and on. So I'll stop and I'll say thank you so much for speaking with me again. No problem. And Dale said that. Oh, sorry. You got word. You got Dale's word on that. That's right. Sam lame. <laughs> you know, I, 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 like I said, I got my copy. I paid. My, I bought my copy of Dismal. It's not the same cover as the one that's going to get that got released. But uh, you know, mine's. Um, you know, obviously signed by Bo and uh, and uh, Justin Saponis and Gary King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but um, sure. you know, it's funny. Real quick, I'll let you go. But uh, Jack was—I uh, interviewed Jack, who played Idiot and Dismal, and uh, he kept talking about this scene in the movie at the end of the movie. And I, oh, yeah, I said, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. And you know what's funny? <laughs> when you watch a movie and the credits come up, I turn it off. And I missed the most important yeah. thing. I knew exactly. I called on. I said, Jack, I apologize. I had no idea what you're talking about. Now I know what you're talking about. Because after the credits comes up, then it goes back to the final scene of the movie. And that was funny. I mean, it, you know, most people don't understand that there could be more of a movie, you know, after the credits start rolling. So remember, guys, when you watch a movie, don't be hasty and turn it off right away because you might see something that you might miss. That's all I got to say about that sermon. But again, Bill, thanks a lot for your time, and uh, it's great talking to you again. It's my pleasure, Scott, and thank you for what you do for the community. No problem. I can't wait to see the shunning. It's gonna be interesting. Well, yeah, actually, yeah. I, and actually, I, I'm, I'm going to get your wife a, a autograph picture uh, since she's a, a fan of Michael Lennon Jr. and you guys live up there in Amish country. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. That's cool of you. Should be excited to hear that. But. Uh, April 16th on the Hallmark Channel. Well, good luck. Um, I'm anxious to see new Thanks, nuns. Um, I love the uh, Guzman stuff, so that's going to be cool. Anyways, Bill, thanks again. I can't again. believe that in the, same, in the same calendar year, I can't believe I'm going to be seen on the Hallmark Channel and a new nuns with big guns. That's uh, yeah. that's a wide range. Ain't that funny? <laughs> you play a, you play a um, uh, pretty weird priest. I guess a new I play guns. a bad priest and a good Amish father yes. in the same year. So nice. So that's the rain. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bill. You take care. We'll Thanks talk again. again all right. All right. All right. Good Bill. luck. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye.